and we have this week and then next week, uh, we will be finishing up our series on the I Am statements made by Jesus in the book of John. I sent my mom the, uh, the, the title for today's sermon so that she can put it in the bulletin, you know. And she goes, you're still on that? Listen, it's not my fault he did seven I Am statements. Take it up with him. So if you're starting to get a little annoyed, take it up with him, not with me, okay? This one today that we're going to talk about when he says uh, one, of the, one of his most famous, right? Uh, I named it just the way, but it is I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. One of the most famous verses in Scripture. It's also, I won't unequivocally say it is my favorite one of these seven statements, but it's up there if it is not number one. Throughout the past five weeks, well, six weeks, because not last week, but the past about a month and a half, we've looked at these statements, and a lot of them, Jesus was saying it without really just coming right out and saying it, right? I am the door, I am the shepherd, stuff like that, right? This time, he leaves nothing to the imagination. There's no way you can look around it. There's no way you can weasel and weevil your way through to say, well, maybe he meant something else. Nope. He comes right out and says what he means here, and there's no way to, to look at it differently than what he says. Let's read it. Um, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Your, uh, I don't know if your notes say just 1 or if I fixed it. My notes just say verse 14, verse 1. But it is verses 1 through 6, so you're going to have to read them all. Here we go. Verses 1 through 6 of John chapter 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All right, let's look at it. Number one, if you grabbed a bulletin, you've got a note sheet. Number one, a troubled heart. A troubled heart. Show of hands in here, how many of you would say that you currently have a troubled heart? No, I'm kidding. Don't put your hands up. But I'm guessing that it's quite a lot of us. Age doesn't matter in this. Part of life doesn't matter in this. How much money you have doesn't matter in this, right? Sometimes I get a troubled heart and I have no reason for it. But my heart is troubled. Sometimes I have reasons, but sometimes I don't. And the fact of the matter is that if you have not had a troubled heart to this point, you will. And if you don't have one currently, praise God. Rest in that because he's sending something your way soon. That's how it works. But he says here in verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. That means if it's a command. Here's a little piece of advice for you for how to read Scripture effectively, okay? If it is a command, it means you have a choice in it. If it's a command, it means you have a choice, okay? So this is a command. Do not let your heart be troubled, which means you have control. You have a choice to make over whether your heart is troubled or not. Pastor, you don't know what I'm walking through. You're right. I probably don't. There's a number of people in here. I can't keep track of what I'm going through half the time. I can't keep track of what everybody else is either. 
right? I'm more than happy to sit down and talk with people and stuff like that, but do not be offended when you come to me on Tuesday in a meeting and I talk with you about it, and then on Sunday, you come and you go, what about this? And I'm like, what did we talk about? Because I have a lot of other stuff going on in my brain. It's not against you. It's just the way it works. But the fact of the matter is that since this is a command, you and I have a choice about whether our heart is troubled or not. Pastor, I've dealt with depression. So have I for 20 years. I have a choice whether my heart is troubled or not. I do not have a choice in what my circumstances are. I don't have a choice in that sometimes. But most of the time, I don't have a choice in what's going on around me. Right? I didn't have a choice almost a year ago when in a week's time span... My dad was in for heart surgery, and my grandma died. I didn't have a choice in those circumstances, what those circumstances were. I had a choice whether my heart was troubled or not. I want to say this as well. Sadness and a troubled heart are not the same things, right? Sadness is an emotion, and it is based on circumstances. I was sad when I was, I had just actually come, I think I had come back from Scranton. And I got a phone call that grandma had a stroke, heart attack. She's in the hospital, whatever. I went over and, and, and sat with a couple of my aunts and uncles and stuff like that. I, had a, I, I, I was sad in that moment because all of us sitting around that little table knew this was the end. We didn't know how many hours it would take, but we knew this was the end. I was also being inundated with texts and calls from my sisters. What's going on? What's this? Eventually, I said, listen... I know you're not going to want to hear this. Stop. If something changes, I will contact you guys. And as soon as something did change, I contacted them so they could come up and say their goodbyes too. But I was sad in that moment. I've, every time I think of my grandma, I get a little bit sad. I'm joyous because she's no longer talking my ear off. She's talking some poor angel's ear off up there. God assigned some angel to this woman, and she's not shutting up. Most of you in here know her. You know that's true. Sadness and a troubled heart are not equal, okay? They are not the same thing. And Christ gives us the key to combating a troubled heart, not to combating sadness. Sadness and a troubled heart are similar in the ways that happiness and joy are. You have a choice for joy. You don't have really a choice for happiness. It's, a, it's an emotion, right? I'm trying to think of a moment when I, was, when I was really, really happy or really, really sad that isn't a sports moment. Um, okay. When I was standing under a tree, Aunt Lori's back there, and she's like, you picked the right one. I just didn't want to go back this far. It's been an eternity. Some of you in here are going, where is it going, this? You're going to find out. I'm going to sleep on the couch tonight. I was standing under a tree, Friends and family all gathered around, about 50 of them. And out of, of her grandmother's house, my, my, we call her Grammy, out of Grammy's house comes my wife. Not yet, she wasn't my wife yet, um, but eventual bride-to-be. And I had a great emotion of sadness. No. Maddie was going, he's going to say it. He's gonna, he, he can't not make a stupid joke. It's not possible. You're right. No, I was, I was perhaps the happiest I've been in my life in that moment, right? I was feeling happiness. There was no sadness in me at all. I could have had a troubled heart still. I did not at that moment. I didn't also have to have joy. 
because those two things are choices. But God says, okay, if he just left it at, don't let your heart be troubled, man, that's not fair. Don't let your heart be troubled, go figure it out. That's really not fair of God to do to us. So he doesn't. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Here is the key to not having a troubled heart and to having joy. Where is your belief and your trust and your faith? Those three words are not all the same. They mean different things in this aspect. Here's the thing. If your belief, your faith, your trust, all that stuff is in money, it's going to fail you. Right? I think of people who really bought into, like, like Bitcoin. Does anybody, everybody in here know what Bitcoin is? Cool. Bitcoin is fake money. Now, you might say, Pastor Sam, since we no longer have the gold standard, isn't all money fake money? Yes, but this is money you can't touch. Okay? And a couple of years ago, it just skyrocketed. And people made millions, if not billions of dollars. And then overnight... They were poor and destitute because the stock, the stock of that crashed. They put their faith in money. Now, I'm not saying not to invest. Maddie and I invest some and stuff like that, right? I'm not saying it's wrong to invest. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a savings account. I am saying it's wrong to have faith in money. Is your faith in things, right? I'm going to tell you guys something. Those two guitars... Grace, and I, and I haven't named the other, the black one yet. I, I haven't, that sounds awful. Um, they are some of my very prized possessions. I don't particularly like it when people touch them without asking. Or if they have not been trained, not just how to play guitar, right? Because you have to start somewhere, and I'm well aware of that. I didn't know how to play guitar when I was given my first guitar. But trained to respect the instrument for what it is. Right? It's a finely tuned instrument. And I don't mean just the strings. A scratch on it can change the way that it sounds depending on how deep the scratch is in the wood. Right? You just scratch the paint, that's fine. But if you gouge the wood, it will completely change the way that that guitar sounds. You drop it too many times, it will completely change the way the guitar sounds. Here's the thing, though. At various points, both of those guitars have been broken. By me, I'm not blaming anybody else, but they've been broken. And you know what? Nothing changed. Because they're things. They are objects. Would I be really sad if I came in here on a Sunday morning and I saw that the neck was completely snapped on one of those? Because Aunt Lori was in here decorating and she tripped over it and said, no one will notice and just put it back. That's Trudy. That was Trudy. There you go. <laughs> I, yeah, I would be upset. But it's not the end of the world. We've all got possessions that we love, but the fact of the matter is that none, none of those possessions should be so worthwhile that we are so utterly devastated when they're gone. Sad, yeah, but not utterly devastated. Is it in yourself? Do you put your trust, your faith in yourself? If you do that, you're pretty dumb because you let you down more than anything else in this world. Sorry to call us all out, including me, but the fact of the matter is that of all the things that have let me down in this world, the number one thing is me. Because I'm the one who has control over me. I don't have control over those guitars. Right? If something happens to them, I can't magically stop it. 
I don't have control over, over money. I don't. I'm not, well, we won't go there. Um, I don't have control over money. I don't have control over the gas prices, which they're saying are going to skyrocket again here in the next week or two. I don't know that that's going to happen. Do not go, well, Pastor Sam said, I don't know that for certain. It's just stuff I've read. Again, I do not have control over it. If I did, trust me, it wouldn't be three ninety-five or whatever it is now. I didn't, I didn't go by the gas station today. I, I don't have control over that. I have control over me, which means I let myself down. Do you put your faith and trust in relationships? I love my wife to death. I would do anything for her. She lets me down. And vice versa. My parents, who I think are the best parents you can have, have let me down. Relationships are going to. There is one that does not, and that is God. That is it. So when your faith, your hope, your trust is in him alone, I'm not saying you won't have sadness. I'm not saying there won't be sorrow. I'm not saying there won't be trial and tribulation. I am saying you won't have a troubled heart. You'll walk through it with joy. Let's jump to number two, because I spent way more time on number one than I was planning on. Number two on your note sheets, the way, the way. We used to sing a song on, on Raya's called, called The Way, and every time I, I hear the words, the way, whether it's in scripture or just somebody goes, do you know the way to insert thing here? My brain goes, you are the way, and I'm like, what? There's a jukebox playing in my head 24-7, and it is incredibly annoying because I have no control over what song is playing. Do you want to guess what song is playing right now? There is one person in this room who will be able to get it. No, there's one person in this room who will know what song is playing in my head right now. It's, it, Matt, you're the only one who's got a hope. It's, it's Brownie House. There is a commercial. I obviously watch a lot of Phillies games, right? I like the Phillies. There is a commercial for a, 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 a sports um, paraphernalia thing called Rally House. Rally, R-A-L-L-Y. Maddie, the first time she heard it went, Brownie House? So now it goes like this, Rally House, Rally House. It's your city, it's your house, it's your Rally House. And now we have whole new words to this song based around Brownie House instead. And that song goes through my head quite often. That's what's in my head right now. Look it up. Don't look it up. It's a very good commercial. It's very catchy. It's like um, um, J.G. Wentworth. Everyone knows that one, right? You know what they do. You know their phone number. You know their name. It's the best jingle that's ever been made. Either way, okay, let's actually talk about the way, shall we? Here's the thing. The world is searching and looking for someone or something. What they need is God. Since Adam and Eve sinned, the world has been looking for someone or something to fill them, to lead them, to guide them. They've looked at people, some somewhat good, some completely and utterly evil. Most, somewhere in between. They've looked at objects, right? More wars have been fought over gold than anything else. We need more gold to supply for this new thing that we're doing. Throughout history, money. They've looked at, quite frankly, the only other thing that has caused more wars than money. Does anybody want to guess? 
Nope. Women. Because men see a beautiful girl and they're like, we got to kill for her. They've got her. I want her. It's the truth. They've looked for drugs. They've looked for it in drugs, in alcohol, in other vices that, that destroy your mind. They look for it in media. They look for it in every charismatic snake oil salesman that comes along. They refuse to look in the one place it can be found. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. In a world where truth is becoming more and more subjective, whatever truth is yours, you believe that truth. They're changing math. I don't know how you can change math. Math has been the same for thousands of years. I was literally watching somebody the other day talk about that they are teaching kids in some schools, not everywhere, but in some schools, that two plus two can equal five if you want it to. And these are not like two-year-olds. They're older than that. And I'm like, no, I think two plus two is three. God says, no, I am truth. I set down what is true. And if you don't believe that and agree with it, that's fine. You believe falsehoods. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I, found it, I find it amazing. I didn't write this on here. I find it amazing that who is it? The answer's up there. It's on the, the answer's on the screen right now. I had to make sure. I, th I thought there was only one slide of verses, but I needed to make sure. The answer is on the screen right now. Who is it that asks Jesus how we get there? How do we know the way? This is not rhetorical. Thomas. What is Thomas also well known for being? A doubter. He was doubting all the way back then. He was like, Jesus, I don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. And Jesus is like, you're an idiot. I've told you again and again where I am from, who I am, and where I am eventually going. He told him in the sentences before it, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where are you going? In the Brush household, in the Brush household, um, we don't go anywhere without announcing where we are going. I get up from the couch and I announce to my beautiful wife and our three cats, I have to pee. And I go to the bathroom. And I come back down and I sit down. Which was quite a culture shock for my beautiful wife because her family just does things. I don't get that. She would get up and leave the couch, and I'm like, where are you going? Am I coming? Where are we headed off to? You seem to know the way. Can I be involved in this? And sometimes she's just like, I just need a break from you. And I'm like, cool, I'll come too. Where's the break happening? Right? I'm Thomas. Where are we going? I don't know where you're going. There's like two rooms in the house she can be going to if we're sitting on the couch. She's either going to the bathroom or getting a snack. Like, where else is she going to go? Yet I'm like, where's the way? Where are we going? Thomas is such a doubter. He doesn't even listen to what Christ is saying. He just goes, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way? And Jesus, in this beautiful... I picture at this point, Jesus is probably a little exasperated, but I also think he looks at it as if he's dealing with a small child. How many of you have dealt with small children before? The questions never stop, do they? 
I, Maddie and I sometimes take Jacks out for, for, for dinner or something like that. He loves Chinese food. I love Chinese food. It's great. We have a good time. Um, and on the literal five-minute trip from my sister's house to the Royal Buffet, a hundred questions? Most of them I don't know the answer to. Why is the one light out on that sign? They didn't replace the bulb, buddy. I don't know. Yeah, do you want me to call them? Where do clouds come from? It's cotton candy in the sky, but I don't know. It's not actually. It's when water vapor uh, connects with a particle of dirt, and eventually they collect all together, and they form a cloud, and then it rains. Um, I know some science stuff. A little bit. Um, where was I going with this? All I can think of is clouds now. Yeah, but I don't know where I was going. with. Oh, 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 got it. Okay. Yet you usually, at least should not, get overly exasperated with a small child. I understand if you live with them 24-7, you probably need a break after a little bit, right? Maddie and I don't have kids yet. We'd like to, but we don't have kids yet. All the parents in here are going, yeah, yeah. But it's bad parenting, sorry people, if you start shouting at your kids because they're asking a lot of questions. It just is. You know, it's not bad parenting to say, hey, buddy, can we take a small break for a second? That's not bad parenting. But if you go, oh my gosh, shut up. It's not good. It's not good. Jax would look at you and say, that's a bad word. Technically, it's two words, but which one's the bad one? Shut or up? Which one's the, the bad word? I think that Jesus looks at Thomas in the same way. I think he's like, oh, all right, you're just a kid. I've answered this so many times. I'll answer it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Have you not been listening the previous five plus times I have told you who I am and what I'm here for? Let me answer it again. And here's the thing, right? We look at Thomas and we laugh. Boy, how could he not get it? And yet, here we are. There's a reason the Bible calls us sheep, because we're dumb. Humanity is dumb. And God looks down at us and in his best parenting voice says, okay, listen this time. This is the answer. Okay, and then we go away and we come back five minutes later and we're like, hey God, what's going on? And he's like, I already answered that question. Or he gives the best parent answer that you can give. Are you ready for this? Because I said so. There's a big theme in the world right now about breaking uh, generational trauma and stuff like that. And I'm not going to do the same things my parents did, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, no, no, I'm on the other spectrum. I had to deal with it. And I survived just fine. And the answer to every single one of my kids' questions is going to be, because I said so. It's a good enough reason. You want to know why? I'm the dad. And I get to set the rules as long as my wife is okay with it. I think God looks at us just the same way as Thomas does right there. But here's the thing. Christ doesn't mince words. He doesn't tell them a parable. He doesn't give them something about being a shepherd or a door or anything like that. He just says, let me make it plain. Let me make it plain for you here, Thomas, and all of the other 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know the way? You got to know me. You want to know how to get to this place where I am building these beautiful, right, in, in the King James Version, which eh, is, is it, it says mansions. Either way, whatever it looks like, it's going to be better than anything we've got here. 
He's had thousands of years to do it. Hopefully he doesn't work like PennDOT does. Otherwise, at this point, he's got one room done, and there's going to be quite a few of us up there. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't go around. He doesn't beat around the bush. He says, Thomas, it's me. You know me, and that is all you need. It's like that GPS that you use in your car when you're trying to get somewhere. I don't know where I'm going. This, this wedding for Christina was out, uh, out in Dallas, not Texas. Um, I wouldn't have gone if it was. I would have said, no, that's enemy territory. For those of you that are like, what's he mean? Dallas Cowboys, I'm an Eagles fan. Dallas, right down below Wilkes-Barre area, uh, near Wilkes-Barre area. And um, to get there, I plugged it into my GPS. And boy, we went on a lot of winding roads, a lot of winding roads to get there. And we got there. And I asked my parents about it, and they said, oh, you didn't just go down to Tunkhannock and then out 29? It drops you right onto it. And I went, what? What do you mean? And then I plugged it into my GPS again, and it was, and I, and I, and see, I had ch chosen the option for the least, uh, for the technical quickest time, and the way it took me was like one minute faster. The problem was if I clicked for least amount of miles, it took me that way, and we got there 20 minutes faster because it's just straight roads for the most part. You know, you curve a little bit, but either way, I had to trust my GPS to get me there. I didn't know where this place was. Plug it in the GPS and go, okay, take over. We have to trust Christ to get us there. But here's the thing. We don't have to choose different options with him, right? Avoid tolls, no. That's always checked for me. I'm not paying. Government's already got my tax dollars. I'm not getting my toll money either. They don't fix the road anyway. You know, I was fine, and then somebody started laughing on me. Christ is that GPS that we plug into. He is the way. I don't know where I'm going in this life. Five, six years ago, if you had said I would be the pastor here, I would have laughed at you. Five years ago, if you had said I would marry Maddie, I would have laughed at you. We already done that thing once. We were done, right? Seven, eight years ago, if you had told me that Linnea would be adopting Jax, I would have gone, what? Twenty years ago, if you had said, Carrie, my mother is going to leave, but in five to six years, I'm going to send somebody else your way, I would have, What? And most of you in here are older than me. You've lived more of life than me. You've seen these weird trips that God takes us down. And the only hope is that he's driving because we don't know what's going to happen. Yet he's the way. And as long as we know that that end, right, you've reached your destination. As long as we know that destination is there with him, it doesn't matter what the road looks like because we get there. And he says, I'm the only way to make it. Let's apply it to our lives, shall we? Mom knew we would be late today because it was communion and stuff. Let's apply it to our lives. Church, where is it, where is your belief? Where do you place your belief, right? I love my family. I love some of my possessions, right? Uh, stuff like that. But I, I, if my faith is in those, if my belief is in those, they're, they're going to fail time and time again. Where is your belief? Take stock of yourself and be honest with yourself. Because quite frankly, too often in my own life, my belief is in my family. I love my family to death. And they let us down. And I let them down. 
too often I don't place my belief in Christ. Most of the time, quite frankly, even more so than family, I put my belief in myself. My preparation, my talents, my gifts, my abilities. When the fact of the matter is that God's the one who gave me all of that anyway, and he can take it away at a moment's notice. Whenever he decides to. If ever he decides to. Where is your belief? On that, where are you looking? Right, We talked about this world is searching. Where are you looking? Because here's the thing, you can have accepted Christ already and still be trying to fill the hole in your life with something else. Drugs, alcohol, media, food, uh, relationships, all kinds of stuff. You can have accepted Christ and still be searching to fill a hole in your life with something else. Or you can just not have Christ at all in your life. And you're desperately trying to fill a hole in your life. And it's not going to work. Because the only thing that can do it is him. And then finally, here's your practical application for today. Again, I try not to give you too many verses to memorize. But I think it would be beneficial to all of us in here, including myself, to have verse 1 memorized. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And almost have that almost as a mantra when you start to get a troubled heart. To go, no, scripture says, don't have a heart, don't let my heart be troubled. I have to put my faith in God. I have to walk with him. Your heart can be troubled from very tiny things to massive things. All of it can trouble your heart. And scripture is our best way to combat our own minds. To say, okay, God, here it is. And to lay it on the line and believe it. So this week, I invite you to memorize John chapter 14, verse 1 with me. Right? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. I thank you um, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you that while we might have a troubled heart, you command us not to, and then you give us the way not to. It's not just, hey, don't have a troubled heart and leave it there. No, you, 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 you lead us, you guide us. I thank you that you are our GPS, that we have this destination in mind of heaven. And one day we're going to get there, but we don't know what the route is. But you do. And you're, you're, you're the one, when we allow you to, you're the one driving that car. And nothing, nothing is, uh, nothing scares you. Nothing surprises you. You know every twist, every turn, every deer that's going to jump out, everything. I praise you. Father, give us each an incredible rest of our week. Uh, or uh, It's not the rest of the week. It's the whole week here in September. We praise you, and it's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen and amen.